You're listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by Player Circle. I'm your host, Dre Emerson, coming live from the safety of my home during this quarantine. For what has felt like years, we finally had a sporting event of sorts uh, last weekend with the NFL draft. It is still being talked about because it was truly entertaining. It was a truly entertaining draft. It was the it was the most watched NFL draft in history um, with it being virtual, the the antics that went on, uh, Mike Vrabel's sons, uh, whatever the hell they had going on. But it was also very, it was some questionable picks in there. It was some surprises. And that's what I'm going to touch on to, on today's episode. I'm going to talk about a little bit about the best and the worst picks. Also, I'm going to be talking about the last dance because I am a Chicago Bulls fan. And I have to touch on it. It's the it's best thing on TV right now if you haven't been watching episodes one, two, three, and four are all out. Episode five and six will be on this Sunday at 9 p.m. So I highly recommend that you tune in to watch those episodes because this it has been a fan- fascinating series just to watch, just to get this uh, in-depth um, perception about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, and just everything that was going on in that time. Uh, the Bad Boy Pistons is featured in it, which I'm going to touch on when I talk about The Last Dance. I have some things I want to talk about with that. And um, it's, like I said, it's just, it's just really good TV. I, I highly recommend you go watch it if you haven't. But getting back to the NFL draft, um, I'm talking best and the worst picks. So, obviously, if, you, if you're living under a rock uh, and you don't know by now, Joe Burrow was the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tua, the top two quarterbacks, uh, Tua, he went number five to the Dolphins. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Um, and Joe, uh, Justin Herbert went number six to the Chargers. But one, the quarterback that had everyone that was like kind of turning the eye to, but I was like, nah, you know what I'm saying? He's he's too raw. But yeah, he's kind of like Patrick Mahomes. Um you know what I'm talking about, Jordan Love. He was drafted number 27 by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Green Bay Packers actually moved up to draft him at number 27 on top of that. And what does that mean for the Packers? It has been talked about all weekend. All it's like the most talked about thing with what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. It's the same situation from... 15 years ago when Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers got drafted and Brett Favre got kind of salty with the organization, uh, was really bad apparently back then. Um, so you got the same situation with Aaron Rodgers now and Jordan Love and Jordan Love, he, for him, this is probably like, wow, you know, I'm playing under Aaron Rodgers. I'm playing for the Green Bay Packers, uh, a, a, a historic team. Uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback, this is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a good situation for me, but Aaron Rodgers looking at it like, yo, why the hell do we draft a quarterback? And it's funny because I think either it was the night before or the day of the NFL draft, uh, it was a, a report out how that Aaron Rodgers, no, Aaron Rodgers said on a radio, I think it was like a radio um, interview that he specifically wanted the Green Bay Packers to draft skill position and particularly a wide receiver they haven't uh drafted them in like in the first round like years so Aaron Rodgers 
uh, with the Green Bay Packers, who was a team of, who was a team away of putting away to be in the Super Bowl. Like they was in the NFC Conference championships, uh, to where they got annihilated by the 49ers. But they was in that champion conference championship game. And you would think that the Green Bay Packers, you know, upper management uh LaFleur would be interested in getting a a player that can immediately help out the team for Aaron Rodgers, not something that is gonna be a a developmental plan. Not saying that Jordan Love doesn't have that potential because like I said, people have been comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. And uh, people do see the talent that's in him. He's just a raw quarterback, and he obviously has things he need to work on. He had a high interception rate uh, his last season when he had a really good season before that. But you would think that they would get a player to immediately help out the team, being that they were in a conference championship game. But they ended up going with Jordan Love. And this has just turned, like, the NFL world upside down because it's just like – What's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers? What's going to happen to the Green Bay Packers? So obviously, oh, that was uh, well documented in um, Get Up, if you watch that show on ESPN, how Aaron Rodgers is going to have minimum two years left on his contract to play with the Green Bay Packers. So you're looking at a situation where you drafted his quarterback high, but he's not going to be playing for at least two years because Aaron Rodgers obviously is not going anywhere for these two years. And you're going to look at how that affects Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is a saucy dude. He holds grudges. So my thinking is, know how Aaron Rodgers is, he's going to make LaFleur's life hell. Like, he's going to make them hell, management, GMs, all this and that and forth. Like, it's going to be hell for them because, like, Aaron Rodgers, he was – he held a grudge against Mike McCarthy because he was drafted so he had to wait so long to be drafted. He thought he was like a number one pick or that top pick, and the Green Bay Packers didn't go with him immediately, but they got him later in the draft, and he held that grudge. So you're going to look at how that affects the organization because, like, really, they really needed a wide receiver. Like, who do they have on their team? They had Devontae Adams. That's literally it. The running back, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but he played really good, but they obviously needed some help. Uh, They got absolutely pretty much next to nothing from Jimmy Graham, um, which isn't surprising because ever since Jimmy Graham left the Saints, he's been like just, just another guy, just another tight end. But the Green Bay Packers needed help, and they could have drafted receivers. Like, it was still receivers left. There was Justin Jefferson, uh, T. Higgins. Or if they drafted that high to get Jordan Love, you, you, you could imagine that they could have drafted up higher to get one of those uh, top receivers, Ruggs, uh, CeeDee Lamb. Anybody but Jordan Love with your first pick. I don't see how they do that. Like, how do they do that for their team? It is crazy. Jordan Love, obviously, you're going to look and see if Aaron Rodgers is going to be a good mentor for Jordan Love. Is he actually going to, you know, take the time to, you know, show this kid the way and, you know, do like that. But how everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers with him being like this guy, like salty, uh, holds grudges, all of that. I don't see it happening. I just see a, a ticking time bomb for the Green Bay Packers. That's what I see.
Now, with this, with the Jordan Love, you got to ask yourself, is Aaron Rodgers, after these two years are up, is he going to go play for another team? Like, what is that situation going to look like? How will the team be competing this season also? But personally, I don't think Aaron Rodgers leaves the Green Bay Packers to play for another team. I think after these two years are up, and the moment that Jordan Love, uh, you start hearing his name becoming like the starting quarterback for the team, which will probably be two to three years, I think Aaron Rodgers will be looking to retire. He's already 36 years old. He's already been talking about, hey, these are, you know, I'm on the back nine of my career. So obviously you will see why he wanted that skills position player because he saw a team that was just in the conference championship and he's like, hey, and people thought Aaron Rodgers had a bad season, but he didn't. He, he, I think he had, like, 26 touchdowns, like, four or, like, six interceptions. It was incredible that people thought he had a, a bad season, but I don't really like the guy. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I think it's kind of funny at the same time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving this. This, this bomb, that, this ticking time bomb that has happened to the Green Bay Packers. But that's neither here nor there. No need to, you know, relive that history, but... Staying focused with this Jordan Love, I think Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I think he. I think he retires. I think that's that would be. I don't see Aaron Rodgers leaving to play with another team. He's already talking about being a back nine career. Um, yeah, this Jordan Love pick can make him motivated, especially going to play for a new team like how Tom Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He would have all the motivation in the world playing with those weapons, you know, to especially to you know get back at Belichick, but. I just don't see that situation happening for Aaron Rodgers. And I think it'll start to show in this in this season. And I think his last season wasn't bad, but I can see this season actually being like a bad year for Aaron Rodgers. Like they'll probably still be decent. They'll probably still be, you know, up there. But you gotta look at the teams in that division. You gotta look at the Vikings. Um, you gotta look at Chicago Bears and how they're fair with either is Mitchell Trubisky is going to make this uh, next step or can the Bears plug in Nick Foles to make this run. So, and the Detroit Lions, you know, you never want to sleep on them too hard, even though it's like, uh, they give you something to look forward to, then it just falls apart. But you got to look at those teams, like, potentially getting better. And, you know, the Green Bay Packers potentially getting worse with an aging quarterback. So that's why I, I label them as having the worst pick, one of the worst picks in the NFL draft, just because of how everything that it would do for this organization, the the psyche of uh, Jordan Love having to be in this situation with Aaron Rodgers, who could be uh, temperamental in that organization, you know, messing things up. So um, another team I look at as having one of the worst drafts is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Cowboys fan. I I truly like mean it when I say that I think they had a bad draft. I'm looking at who they got. You took, you see the Cowboys took CeeDee Lamb, who I think is the best wide receiver in the draft. You take this unknown guy. Well, not really unknown, but he's unknown to me because I, I don't watch college football as, you know, much as these other guys. But Jalen Rager... You took him with the pick 
when there's obviously like other wide receivers that still could have been taken, like how I talked about for the Packers with uh, Justin Jefferson, who is thought of as a highly rated wide receiver. Um, T. Higgins, another one. Um, and you're just looking at that, and they ended up taking this this Rager guy, TCU, which is you know I I hear he's a speedy guy, a vertical threat, which is kind of like how the Eagles play, but I just like people say that and then the Jalen Hurst pick you you took him in the second round and obviously Hurst was a people known people who can think of him as maybe being as good uh not as good as but seeing how the NFL is turning with Lamar Jackson and looking at how Jalen Hurst skill sets as being being able to run the ball effectively and sort of kind of pass decently like he wasn't a horrible passer but Obviously, there's quarterbacks better than him, but you're looking at how they picked him, and there is a real crazy fan base and love affair for Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of people that want to see him win. My man Marlon, he 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 want he's a big Jalen Hurts fan. So he wants to see him win, and you look at Carson Wentz and how he's people don't really. I'm not gonna say he's a hated guy, but. You saw how Nick Foles came in and how the city treated him. You saw how the teammates talked about Nick Foles, Nick Foles and how great he was. And then they talked about Carson Wentz being a bad leader and all those reports and all those things was coming out. And you just look at what if Carson Wentz gets injured? Not saying, now nah, what's your injury on him? But if he, because he is injury prone. Let's be real about it. He's an injury prone quarterback who the, who the Eagles just signed last year to this big contract and they drafted this quarterback in the second round to saying like hey they want to say like hey this is our insurance policy or hey we, we're going to kind of use him in offense kind of like a Taysom Hill role but if an injury happens to Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts came in comes in and he plays really good the I feel like the Philly fans the how crazy they are they will fall in love with Jalen Hurts they will turn on Carson Wentz because they're quick to do it because Eagles fans are crazy like I said they can fall for Jalen Hurts and then you'll have this quarterback situation like do like they have with Nick Foles. And like, do you want that? And to talk about them, him playing that role in this or Taysom Hill and like these RPOs and like, like how Marcus, I think it was Marcus Spears or Ryan Clark. It was somebody I was listening to on uh, Get Up or First Take yesterday. And they was talking about how like the NFL, we have, they have adapted. Now, when Jalen Hurst was playing at Oklahoma, he was able to do all these plays looking good in his offense, you know, because where was the defense at, you know? But now you're playing with players in the NFL that are just as fast as you, Jalen Hurst, and they can come and get you. And, like, they don't mind, you know, hunting down and, you know, tackling the quarterback. Like, you're going to be playing with some bigger, faster, stronger dudes. And the NFL has caught up in a way to – these all these new fancy offenses where you got quarterbacks running or throwing and you know trick plays rpos all this and that the nfl is going to eventually caught them and they have and you look at how effective can jalen hurts be how effective can the eagles offense be when they really have no really good wide receivers um but not to say they don't have wide receivers they have wide receivers but they were injured. They were all literally all injured. Alshon Jeffrey, he was a, he's a broken down wide receiver at this point in his career. 
he looked slow, sluggish. Um, Deshaun Jackson, he was injured pretty much all season, pretty much didn't play all season. Aguilar's gone, even though, you know, I think Philly fans, they don't really care too much about him. But And they got Marquise Goodwin, but his last good year was in 2017, and then he didn't really have any really too much production since. So you just look at how how crazy can that Eagles offense be? I don't really see it being too crazy now. Cowboys offense, I'm not talking as just from Homer, but because people have been talking about this all weekend, how the Cowboys have potentially the second best or arguably the number one or two wide receiving core next to the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look out, and they have Ezekiel Elliott still. So how that offense has potential to be crazy. Now, Eagles have worked on their defense. They got Darius Slay, but they lost Malcolm Jenkins. So I think they could have focused a little bit more on their wide receiving core and also positions that they need filled in that defense because that defense, as good as it was those years when, you know, those past two, I think three, as how long has it been since Eagles won the Super Bowl? Two, three years? Whatever. It's, the, it's not the same defense as it was. Uh, they obviously have some holes and things they need to fix on, especially with the linebackers, especially with them. So getting off that, uh, getting off those two quarterbacks. The quarterbacks I really want to talk about are the three quarterbacks that was drafted first in the NFL draft. You had Justin Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow, number one, Tua Tagaloa, number five, and Herbert at six. I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at their situations that they're in, which quarterback landed in the best situation. And I think, surprisingly, I really like Justin Herbert in, I was about to say San Diego, but Los Angeles. I really like that situation. Like, I think he, and he has the potential to be, with that with that team around him, the best quarterback down the road in this draft class. Because he, he's set up the best right now. You have great weapons around you. Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, um, Hunter Henry. So they got great weapons around them already. And they also got some more in the draft. And then their defense. You got Derwin James is going to be back. You got Joey Bosa. You got, I can't, I can't think of it. It was another good, really good defensive player. Uh, Ingram, Melvin Ingram. I think that's his name. You got really good players on that defense. So you you have a really good team all around because they was just in the uh, AFC championships like two seasons ago. And then you look at Tua Tagaloa and the Miami Dolphins that had a really good offseason, you know, free agency period, you know, getting these players, Byron Jones, uh, Calvin Noy. Um, it was, who, who else they got on their team? It's another good, really good player they got, but. They got all these great pieces in the offseason, but they don't really – they got Devontae Parker at wide receiver, but other than him, they don't really have no really other great, you know, highly spoke of weapons. But there, people talk about Tua, Tua and how he's like the best – he has the potential to be the best wide quarterback just alone from his talent. And, you know, something I want to talk about, I don't agree. I, I wish Tua – would have been the number one pick. I don't agree with Joe Burrow being the number one pick. I don't think he's going to be as crazy as everyone thinks because 
And that this is also leads why to I think he's in a worse situation because he's not I don't see him as this great a quarterback as everyone else does. I'm not in love with Joe Burrow. I didn't, you know, I didn't fell in love with it, uh, his last championship season with LSU. Yes, it was a great season. He had a historic season, but it was just that one season. People, Tua had a really, aside from the injuries, a really good some years with Alabama. Like, people talked about him being the next Drew Brees. I haven't heard anyone say too much about how Joe Burrow is going to be this legendary quarterback. Like, I don't see the comparisons. The most... The highest comparison I got from him as for a quarterback was Tony Romo. That's the highest I heard. And Tony Romo was a beast. Like, he was a doll. Like, he was a great quarterback. But people know he, he wasn't no Drew Brees. And so I look at that and I look at the situation that Joe Burrow's in with Cincinnati. With, I think Cincinnati has the worst um, head coach out of the three. Uh, you look at how Brian Flores took the Dolphins to what? They're a uh, five five and eleven record. Uh, he that team fought hard for him when the team when that was looked at as the mo- the worst team in the NFL. It surprisingly became one of the like had a really good season for what like they had and what their expectations were because everyone just thought they was tanking for Tua, but they had a really good season uh, for them. And you look at how he coached that team up and how. They added all these great offseason picks, and that is a it's a good situation. But I think that wide receiver core still needs work doing. But Joe Burrow and his situation, playing with Zach Taylor, I think he's not a good coach. I don't think he's uh, he was the coach for this team. I don't. He looked real like that team looked abysmal. Like it's one thing to tank and you know look bad, but like on purpose, but like. It was no accident. No, like, that team just looked bad. Like, it was a bad team. And you look at Zach Taylor. Is he really the coach? Is he really? Because what was he supposed to be like? This offensive, like, genius or pick or, like, for this team. But they had one of the worst offenses. Then you look at back to how the previous coach. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, uh, what is his name? I see his face. I don't see his name. What is his name? Ah, it's going to kill me. But that team, even though it had its problems, it was like consistently competing. In the in the AFC, they was in the playoffs. And then they went from him to this guy that they they just... Anyway, I'm rambling on about him. I'm rambling on about how bad Zach Taylor is. I'm sorry. But you got A.J. Green and you got T. Higgins, but... How long do we see A.J. Green being on that team? Because, you know, it was reports and stuff that he wanted out. He didn't want to be the franchise tag, which he was. He was franchise tag, so he has to play for this season. And we'll see if they get a contract done. But if they don't, what if they don't? And A.J. Green leaves. What if what if this, this one season that they play together, T. Higgins looked good as a wide receiver, especially with A.J. Green on the other side. And then they also got they also got another another wide receiver on the team that's really good. But what if when A.J. Green leaves and then you have a situation how, like, A.B. and Juju Smith-Schuster and then Juju looked nothing like how he did when he had A.B. And then 
because you know the Bengals are like this cheap team that won't go out and spend money on a you know a really good player. So where are there where are the weapons going to come from? Where are the weapons on the defense going to come from? I just look at him and that team just being like one of the worst still. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see them picking number one or two, like the top three pick again. But I think Justin Herbert, out of those three, will eventually have. I'm not gonna say he's gonna have the better career, but he's gonna have the better start. He's gonna have the better start to his career because he he's. They say the way to win, the way to win the Super Bowl is you gotta win with your quarterback on a his rookie contract, and the Chargers are set up now to compete. I think Justin Herbert, he can come in and, you know, win the starting job against Tyrod Taylor because people talk about him being a, you know, really smart guy, really understanding the game. You know, he can understand the Chargers offense. He can see where he fit in. He's also a really good athlete, people say. You know, and I see him just jumping right in and, you know, being a – not, you know, immediately start, but I think he can compete for the starting job. But, you know, he'll have the better start because – the Bengals, how the Bengals are gonna look trash. I'm projecting the Bengals to look trash, and you have to ask yourself, how long does it take the, for the Bengals and that uh, front office to say, hey, we need to turn. We got our franchise quarterback now. Like we got to get some, get him some pieces. How long would that take before he'll have to be on his next contract, Joe Burrow? You got to pay him big money, like how. The Rams had to do for, you know, Jared Goff and, you know, that team looked bad this season compared to, you know, them being just in the Super Bowl. You got to you got to win with your quarterbacks on a rookie deal. And I think it's going to be too long of a situation for the Bengals to turn around. I see Miami potentially being, but they still have to they're going to be in a division with. And, you know, I didn't even talk about the divisions. The Bengals are in a division with the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers, who are all going to be better than them, off rip. Like, that's that's done. That's done for. Um, but the Patriots, they have, like, this kind of little in their, you know, their quarterback situation going on and with Tom Brady leaving and how good that team is going to be. But they're still the Patriots. But the Dolphins did beat them one time, I think, last season. The uh, to end the regular season, and they played hard in that game too. Um, and I look at the Jets and seeing with Sam Darnold, them possibly being a better team. You know, he almost win more than he loses. I know they looked it bad last season, but he was also sick for you know a long or long duration of the season. So I seeing them taking a step, especially they still have Le'Veon Bell too. So. It's, it's real interesting with the divisions involved and looking at the team situation and which quarterback is in a better situation. But like I said, I think Justin Herbert, he's in a better situation out of those top three quarterbacks that was drafted. And am I saying he's going to have the better future? Not exactly, but I think he's going to have the better start that's going to propel him to potentially have the better future. So switching gears a little bit. I'm going to be talking about The Last Dance. Like I said, it's been great TV to watch. Um, it's been so good. I'm learning a lot of stuff that I didn't know about before. Obviously, I was, you know, I I was just born um, during, like, the second uh, three-peat in the midst of 97, you know. And hearing about these stories now and... 
watching these, you know, watching the film, watching these games, just watching, just, it's, it's been so, it's been so good to see, like, this, like, this has been some, some great content, and Michael Jordan is making this some great content, because it's raw, you know, it's, you know, these are raw emotions, like, how he felt back in the day, he's like, bro, like, you know, F these Detroit, like, these bad boy Pistons guys. I don't want to say, uh, I don't want to say the whole works. My mom might be listening. And she only hears me cuss like that when I'm playing video games. So, you, I'm, you re- you're hearing about all these stories and all this, you know, this great, like, these rivalries. This, this in-depth look at the rivalry with the bad boy Pistons. And they talk about when Doug Collins used to co- coach the Bulls. And they talked about... Uh, MJ, like they went all the way back to MJ hitting the shot for UNC against uh, Georgetown. Uh, Patrick Ewing, like, and how he has like always had that mentality of like, hey, like, I'm about winning. Like, f everything else. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't got to be cool. We don't got to be the best friends. Like, just give me the ball. And I'm, you know, I'm hooping. Y'all, y'all can sit around all y'all want to. I'm hooping. Uh, and it's clear to me that he has this high level of respect for the game which plays a part in like how and why he was so mad at the Detroit, uh the Pistons the bad boy Pistons and Isaiah Thomas and Lambeer and Dennis Rodman and them boys for how they did them when Michael Jordan and the Bulls finally broke through in 91 um and talking about that Isaiah Thomas you know he been on um his little press run, you know, talking about the sh- uh, the episodes and how he felt during these times and how he he's so hurt about what happened to him on the dream team. And like, yada, yada, yada. I'm just like, come on, dude. Like, don't don't like Michael Jordan said this. This was his exact quote. Like, you can show me anything you want. There's no way you can convince me he wasn't an asshole. And that's what I'm, that's, that's the kind of, like, look I'm getting from Isaiah Thomas, like, he was this guy that got on everybody's nerves, it wasn't just Jordan, it wasn't just Pippen that didn't want, per se, want him on the team, it was other players, it was Magic Johnson, it was uh, Malone, it was all these other guys that Isaiah Thomas just got on nerves, and just, like, now he's talking about, like, oh, I'll be so disappointed if, like, that what kept me off from being a part of the dream team. Like, dude, you put this against yourself. Like like MJ said, and I'm not just, you know, I'm not just automatically taking MJ's side because I'm a Bulls fan. But it's just like, you acted this way back then. Don't be trying to be all sad and down about it now. Like, this is how you acted. And you, you played the consequences for what it was. Like, that, it, it, was, it was what it was. And, like, not shaking the Bulls' hands. That, this is... For people that don't know or haven't been watching episodes, uh, when the Bulls finally broke through in 91, the Bulls, because the Pistons was beating up on the Bulls. MJ said they were bad champions, like how they, they dirty style of play, how, how rough they were. You know, they made the Jordan rules to how they didn't want MJ to be, you know, jumping, like keeping him on the ground. If he was hit him and all that, like their rough style of play. And MJ said they were bad champions, which... When the Bulls swept the Pistons, the Pistons didn't shake none of the Bulls' hands. They just left off the court while the game, while there was still a time left on the clock. And NJ said, you know, you know how they was pissed. Um, Horace Grant said they some sons of bitches. And 
I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, by the way. Um, and it's kind of crazy that they didn't like, they try to, Isaiah Thomas tried to be like, well, that's what the Boston Celtics did to us back in the day, blah, blah, blah. So, and, you know, you, you're making, ex- it just seems so like you're making excuses and it's just like, you did it. Don't feel bad about it. You, you uh, the Bulls, MJ, you know, you're uh, Scotty, they ones, the other people that, you know, you turn like that. They don't like you really. It just, it's just, it's funny to see. I'm, I'm waiting to see. I'm curious to see what Magic Johnson is going to say on next week or when he's on first take. I can't wait for that because this bad boy pissing thing isn't going away. I don't think anytime soon. Um, Cause it's, it's just, it's a constant topic right now, especially with the Jordan documentary. My favorite part of the doc so far. Well, my favorite episode was the Dennis Rodman. I think seeing him, because I didn't really know, like, obviously being born in 97, you know, I didn't know too much about players, about the, um, you know, the team and whatnot. You know, I was a baby. Now, as I'm older, I can look back and, you know, I'm looking at these teams. I'm looking at these players. I'm looking at some of this film. But you don't, you don't get to see all of what type of player he was. You know, you're not just uh, you know, thumbing through, you know, interviews of hey let me let me go on youtube let me search up interviews of dennis Ryman or blah 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 to see what type of way like i could see i could see the crazy hair i could see how wild he was but just seeing all this in-depth stuff like the vacation that you know 48 hours him being with madonna uh him being with carmen electra you know that's which is wild my boy had my boy had two of the top women back then like Rodman is goaded. He is goaded. Uh, and now you hear about how Carmel Electra talked about how they had like sex like all over the Bulls facility and all these crazy, crazy places. You know, Rodman is goaded. But hearing all these like that 48 hour stories and how MJ had to go get him and Carmel Electra, how she was like, oh, I had to go hit. It was MJ at the door. Like, it's crazy to me just hearing all these stories. Like, you know, and how he broke down, like, just getting that rebound and, you know, uh, players like Bird and Jordans and Magics, how the ball, you know, come off the rim a certain way. I think that was crazy. Like, you wouldn't just seeing uh, me just looking at all, like, the crazy hair dudes and just thinking him as this crazy guy. I would have never thought that he would have had, like, that much, you know, that ability to just break down, like, that, his game. How he did. Like, it was, it was awesome to see, you know. And he was obviously, like, this fantastic defensive player. Like, he was a defensive wizard. And then you could see why people talked about him being, you know, one of the greatest defensive players to ever live. So, you know, the things he did to Magic, um, how he would guard MJ, you know. And, you know, what I will say about Rodman, though, he... There was a person that, you know, the documentary, you know, kind of said, you know, obviously he was going through things, but it's, it was just real interesting to see him and how he, you know, he felt some type of way when Pippen came back from his injury and, you know, he was just like this, he wanted this attention, like this, it looked like this approval of like MJ, it was something, it was like, I can't, I can't really think of what it was, you know, I'm not inside the set, but he was obviously going through some things, but to see how he's just to look at that. Like, I think 
everyone should just go watch that Dennis Rodman episode. I think it's the best episode of the documentary. Um, yo, when they talked about MJ's uh, 88 season, I was like, yo, what? And people talk about LeBron. Oh, like being the GOAT. And I'm not on here. I'm not about to just go into this spiel about like comparing Braun to MJ because like I'm tired of it. I think I'm I'm gonna set the record straight right now with this. They're they're both goats. They're both goats in different era, but MJ will be the all time goat because he like just the way like just the things he did, his accomplishments, uh, watching how and just getting this in depth. I'm, it's convincing me more and more how he's the all-time GOAT. LeBron, you know, he would obviously be the GOAT in this era, but it's just the GOAT in this era. People look at... And something I want to talk about, too. I know I'm jumping all over, but it's just so many so many things I just want to talk about with this because it's just... First of all, ESPN is running out with these narratives, first off. And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but it's just so many... So many different different topics and, you know, and ideas is just coming from the documentary because, you know, obviously people are going to be comparing Michael Jordan and LeBron James. But something that I, I want to acknowledge is watching the documentary and seeing how these all-time legends talk about MJ. There, it was a clear cut. It was, well, I, from what I'm getting, it was this clear cut that Michael Jordan was the best player during his time. Like, there was no one else. It was MJ and then it was everybody else. And then when people talk about LeBron James now is people talk about how Kevin, Kevin Durant is better, uh, Kawhi Leonard is better. Uh, let's not forget Stephen Curry. They talk about uh, Greek Freak potentially. Uh, they talk about all of these players potentially being better or is better because people make arguments for them being better than LeBron James. When But then when it was MJ, it was just MJ. So how can you say LeBron's the GOAT over MJ? But, you know, that's just me talking. You know, that's just, you know, my thoughts on that. But getting back to Jordan 88 season, like this dude, he was the MVP. He was all-star game MVP. He was a slam dunk champion. The scoring leader at like 35 points per game, I think. Um, he was the steals leader. And the defensive player of the year, all, he was literally all that in one season. That is goat shit. Like there's LeBron whenever. Now, LeBron, I'm not trying to say he's a bad, you know, obviously LeBron's, like I said, he's the gold in this era, but that, which is, you know, subjective. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm just loving this documentary, man. It's, it's so good TV. You know, I'm dying to see episodes five and six on Sunday and just like, I wouldn't have known all that about from that 88 season if I wasn't, if I didn't watch the documentary, obviously, you know. I knew I knew some things. I knew he was a slam dunk champion. I knew he was the um, MVP. I knew he was a scoring leader. Then I didn't know too much about the steals leader. I knew he was like a all all time great defensive player as well. But you know, defensive player of the year and MVP all in the same season. Like, come on, bro. That's that's goat shit right there, man. Like, whew. switching gears uh, a little bit. Talking about the, I want to jump back real quick to the NFL and something that you know. That was so talked about so much during the NFL, like these couple years, past few years, with weed and like like players like Josh Gordon and his you know consistently getting suspended for like long times for his you know his addiction. Um, 
Randy Gregory from Cowboys, uh, all of these players and like how they treated we as like as high as like they would treat like domestic violence and like the craziness that came from players smoking weed for them just to get to say, uh, you know, it's whatever now in the, you know, new collective bar- collective bargaining agreement. There you go. Collective bargaining agreement that they sign that, you know, they don't have to worry about weed no more. It's like crazy that it's not talked about as, you know, as much as it should be. Cause I feel like this was like a crazy thing to have happen to just go away from and just not talk about it in depth. You know, I think it's kind of weird. I think it's kind of something's a little fishy with that. You know, that's all I really wanted to say about that. Um, last last couple of things I want to touch on uh, with the NBA and how we're just dying for the NBA season to come back because we want to see this champion crown. Like, is it going to be the Lakers? Is it going to be the Clippers? Is it going to be the – is Philly going to figure it out? Is it going to be the Bucks? Is Rockets going to finally break through? Like, there was so much potentially good storylines that was going on in the NBA for it to not finish, for it to not be a conclusion to this, it will honestly hurt me. Like, I'm already depressed as it is without it being no sports, but for that to happen, for this good of a season for it to have been, for it to not have a, a conclusion will, will, like, just, I'll be like, wow, man. I'm, I will obviously look back at this 22 years being, like, the craziest year, but not having a finish to this season, that would just be the icing on the cake. Like, it sucks, man. Like, this quarantine, sh- like, this, it sucks. Because it's, it's much needed. We need to be practicing social distancing, all this and that. But you got to wonder, at some point, are we finally going to come, uh, like, are we finally going to come together as a country and as a world to say, hey, we need to start moving on from this. Like, we need to start rebuilding the economy we need to, you know, start putting plans in place. Like, how long are we going to be, you know, disaligned on have these restrictions and things like that? But the NBA, they're uh, supposed to be, they were supposed to be opening up a couple facilities up today, but they pushed all, pushed it back to May 5th for, you know, the for the teams that live in states that have started opening up restrictions. So it's kind of like, oh, uh, maybe we might be getting some NBA basketball back soon and all this and that. My thing is... I feel like a easy, not, I'm not going to say it's easy, but a plan that they could have did was, hey, say, hey, um, all these uni- universities and stuff that's going to be closed, like, hey, let's just throw the players in the uh, university. They get to play on the courts. It's always going to be in front of nobody. Have the uh, camera crews there, you know, all the essential personnel that they would need, to, you know, run the NBA games and things like that. And, Put the players there, uh, obviously, you know, uh, they'll get the test that they need and just run, finish the NBA there. Just finish it out of college. And, like, for the people that say, like, oh, like, it's a bad look and this and that. Why is it so much of a bad look for these sports organizations to have, you know, the ability to to get their players? Because it's not just, like... There still need to be testing. Like, there's players, like, it's still people in organizations and on the teams and stuff. Like, just, it's like they don't, it's not like they don't have a right to still get tested. Like, those sports organizations are providing the the tests and things like that for them because they have the power to. Why are we not looking at the government and being harsh on them? Like, we 
want to be on the these sports organizations for not getting us these tests. I don't think like it's a moral thing for them. Honestly, I don't think it's like a moral dilemma because like they they will. It's not like they just doing it for themselves. They're also trying to provide like this this glow, like this happiness, some type of things for the world. Like we can't just be depressed about it. Like about Corona for the rest of our lives and not try to be like, hey, let's bring back the things that make us happy. You know, sports made us happy. Whenever there was tragedy in the world, there were sports to, you know, shine a light. And I think that's the role that the, especially the NBA can play right now. As big as a star LeBron James is and just the, potentially the Lakers, you know, or, you know, potentially it being like a Lakers and a Celtics, you know, NBA finals, like all these good storylines and things could come back. It will make for great overall, you know, good morale for the whole world. And, you know, that's just my thoughts on that. Um, I think I'm hoping to see NBA uh, back as early as possible. Obviously, I know it's not ideal for it to be coming back as early as I would want it to be. Like, I want NBA back right now. But, you know, it's no way that they're, you know, going to be able to do it. Maybe in a couple, like a month or two. But, hey, man, I'm just hoping for the best when it comes to it. You know, and that's how, that's just going to be my position for it. I'm, I'm not going to change that. And like I said, I don't think these sports organizations should be looked at as the way they, people are talking about them in the media. For them, just try to bring back some morale, some good morale for the world. Because everyone's going to tune in. You saw how WrestleMania served as, at least for the people, like, it was the most talked about thing on Twitter. Like, it was, and it was a really good event. And not just wrestling fans, like, people were tuned in. Like, it served as something good. Like, maybe it's not going to be on the level as the NBA or NFL or baseball, you know, if they was to be during that time, you know, to be able to put on an event like that. But... It served as sort of some type of hope, especially for me, because I'm a big WWE fan. And it was just also a great source of entertainment. And it kept us busy. It had us something to talk about. And that's the role that the NBA can play now on a much bigger scale than WWE. Much bigger scale. So, um... That's all the time that I got with y'all guys for today. It's been a, it's been real talking to you guys. It's been a fun show. Um, some great conversation. Just a quick recap. You know, we talked about the the quarterbacks that got drafted. We talked about the Jordan Love, the Packers situation. What to make of that? I think Aaron Rodgers, after these two years are up, he's going to be done. He might in two to three years we can see Aaron Rodgers retiring. He's already thirty six. So I said that. I said Justin Herbert, out of the first three quarterbacks to get drafted, if him, Tua, and Joe Burrow, that Herbert is going to have the best situation. Well, obviously, he's already in the best situation, but he has the best start to his career, and which will could lead to him having the better career out of the three. And then I talked about the last dance. You know, it was, uh, it was a great series to watch. I think everyone should see it. It's the, real, the best part of it for me has been the Rodman thing, but talking about the bad boy Pistons and just getting like the in-depth of that hatred and that rivalry. You don't see too much of that in today's game, but um, here's hoping for, or maybe there is, and we just don't know about it. Maybe down the line, like Golden State and the Clippers, when they had their little, you know, thing going on when um, 
Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Lob City was all about there. Maybe, you know, maybe we can get something like that in the future, but uh, it will never compare to that bad boy Pistons Bulls rivalry. And I haven't seen anything like it. I haven't seen anything like it, but it's been a great show today. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, obviously, this quarantine is like it's limited things that we could talk about, but I'm going to try to push out more content and just keep you guys just up to date. Uh, keep doing these podcasts because I enjoy doing them. And yeah, it's been fun. So I see you guys next time. Uh, you, you've been listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by Player Circle. And make sure you follow us on Twitter and our new IG page, which is Player Circle. It's just all lowercase. It's been real fun to make the social media that social media site. So make sure you guys tune in and you know just follow me.